Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high-achieving and ambitious mid-level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings, guys. Hey, reminder. The Land Your Dream Job Accelerator four-week small group coaching program starts on October 5th. I have a September session going on right now, so you can sign up for the October 5th. I've put the show in the show notes. I've put the link, and you can learn more about Land Your Dream Job Accelerator. But essentially, this is a small group program with me to work on creating a targeted, proactive job search strategy Learn how to network where you're giving as much value as you're getting an equal exchange of energy, as I like to say, and overcoming mental blocks that may hold you back in your job search. You'll also get one-on-one time with me to do laser coaching throughout the process. So I hope you will take a look at that and consider signing up because we're going to, we're going to do it starting in October. All right. I want to talk today about identifying potential red flags when looking for a job. And the first thing I want to talk about is internal red flags. So this has nothing to do with the company that you're applying to and everything to do with you. So each time you make a job move, it's so important to evaluate your current or most recent situation. Think of this as a trip you're taking. I like this analogy. So I want you to think about, you have a suitcase, you're going to go on a trip. What are the things you want to put in the suitcase and take with you? Meaning, what are the qualities, characteristics, skills that you want to continue to use, maybe use more of in your next position? And what are the things you want to leave in the old location? So you have, you no longer want to do that. You no longer want a company that has that value or operates in a certain way. We've talked about these skills before in terms of the skills that you're both good at and enjoy using are called motivated skills, meaning the more you use those skills in your job, the more motivated you're going to feel. Conversely, the skills you want to stop using or, or minimize are the things that you're good at, but no longer interested in doing. And those are called burnout skills. So when you don't do this work, you risk what I call kind of jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. At best, you're not progressing in your career towards your ideal job. So one of the analogies that I I developed back when I was working in higher education career services, working with college students, was a dartboard analogy. So it's this notion of, if you think about a dartboard, all I want a college student who's 22 and has no experience or, or limited, maybe they've done some internships, that kind of thing, very little real world experience. I want them to get on their dartboard, meaning somewhere in the universe of jobs that are a good fit for them. 
with the understanding that, you know, the center of the, the bullseye on that dartboard are a cluster of jobs, not a single job, but a cluster of jobs that are ideal jobs for them. They're not going to get there at 22 with no experience, A, because they don't know what the center of their bullseye is. I promise if they think they know, they're probably wrong. It's going to change. And secondly, they don't have the experience, maybe further education or credentials to get there, even if they did know what it was. So that goal of 22 is let's get on the dartboard. Let's not sail that, that dart over, you know, onto the wall or into the next room. Let's be on the board. And then when we do this evaluation, you know, typically we stay in our first job out of college about two to three years. We do this assessment. Then we get a little closer. Maybe we move up a ring on the dartboard and so on until maybe 10, 15 years into our career, we have the experience and the skill set and the self-knowledge to be in the center of our bullseye. All right. So that's the, that's the internal red flag is, is making sure that you're, you're assessing what you want to take with you, what you want to maybe do more of, what you want to leave behind. And also I think assessing your motivation for this. It's so helpful if you are focused on what you are moving towards as opposed to what you are trying to get away from or escape. That energy will, it will translate in the, in the interview process. And I promise they'll smell it. Even if they don't know what they're smelling, it won't smell good. So now let's talk about possible red flags that an employer could be waving right in front of your face. And I promise if you've been out in the job world for any length of time, you could probably relate to one or more of these and think about a time maybe, hopefully not, but probably a time when you ignored one of these red flags at your own peril. So number one is unprofessional communication. I'm hearing a lot about that with my job seekers right now. So if the employer or the company representative communicates with you in any way that is unprofessional, it's overall maybe too informal, just like super, super cash. During the application process, it's probably indicating either a lack of respect for you, a poor company culture, or like, frankly, and I used to see this when we would do our career fairs because, you know, I worked in two university career centers. So I have hosted slash coordinated, goodness gracious, I couldn't tell you, dozens of job fairs over the years. And I remember thinking distinctly with some companies, that's who they send out here of the whole world of possibilities. That person who cannot seem to smile, who isn't engaging with people who's maybe on their phone or standing behind their display or not even at their booth at all. That's their option, right? So while that in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean the company is, is terrible or has a, should have a red flag, it does bear kind of looking into a little bit more. As with most flags of these red flags, again, that isn't necessarily a reason to run in the other direction, but rather kind of do your homework and find out, is this representative of what I can expect with this company? This is the person they've hired specifically to deal with applicants and to get great candidates in the door. What is this telling me about the organization? So unprofessional communication is a big one. The next one is a vague job description. If there's very little information in the job description about the actual job duties 
or the requirements or the job description focuses a little bit too much on how great it is to work there, but not a lot on what you would actually be doing, this could indicate a lack of organization or a lack of transparency about the role. It could also mean that they're trying to cover up something by getting you to want to work there because they have a great, you know, ping pong table in the break room kind of thing. This vagueness can also translate into the hiring process. So are you getting answers to your questions and in a timely manner? So if you ask them about something, are they being upfront and responding or are they giving kind of non-answer, vague answers or just ignoring you altogether? Are they openly discussing opportunity for advancement, job responsibilities, and company culture? So that that vagueness, that vague job description or vague responses to your questions is another red flag. Another one, super quick process and too good to be true offers. This is a big red flag. You want to be aware of recruiters that respond within minutes of your application you know, it could be a good sign, but I want you to think, like, why are they so desperate for to fill these positions that they're kind of waiting around for me to apply? It can also often correlate with a rapid, barely there hiring process. Like, do you have a pulse? Okay, great. You get the job and or pressure to accept the job offer immediately. There may be also extremely high salary or benefits that seem too good to be true, which probably means they are. And that can all also smack of a scam. So while this isn't necessarily a scam, it may just mean this is a job that they can't fill or they can't keep it filled. There's problems with the company and people don't want to work there, but it can also be an indication of a scam. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in, in a moment. So that's a super quick process, unrealistically quick and too good to be true offers. The next one is negative online reviews. Glassdoor, Indeed, and there are plenty of other sites that offer online review and ratings for the company. They offer a variety of categories like culture, management, work environment, pay, opportunities for promotion within. You want to look for balance and consistency here. So if you see one negative review about culture, but eight positive ones, That's great. If on the other hand, if you see 75% of the reviews are slamming the company's pay structure, now we have a problem. So take a look at those negative online reviews, but look at them holistically and maybe look at different sites to see if you're seeing the same thing. In my experience, you see the same thing over and over again. You start to see a theme about, again, company culture, promotion from within. People are slamming it consistently. So that's negative online reviews. The next one is unrealistic expectations. Do the job duties mesh with the job title? So, you know, if they're asking for an accountant, are the duties listed in the job description those of an accountant? Are they really weird? What about the educational requirements? I saw it, and I don't know if it was fake news, but there was a meme posted where the job was requiring a I think it maybe required a bachelor's degree, master's preferred, and it was like $15 and something an hour. So does the educational requirement match A, the job duties, and B, the pay? And if any of those seem unrealistic for the role, it mean that the company doesn't understand the role. They aren't in touch with sort of standards for that profession. 
And you may not want to be the Jane Goodall that treks into the forest of cluelessness, right? While it's okay, I think, in some cases to blaze a trail in a company, whether it's, you know, product development or new transformational HR initiatives, if the company just doesn't even understand the job and and is asking, you know, putting together a very weird combination of job duties, you know, you may want to think twice about that. So that's unrealistic expectations. The next one is an unusual interview process. I'm hearing from a lot of clients, especially since COVID started, that there was excessively long, complex, and frankly, intrusive interview processes going on out there. It was fascinating to me that companies just seemed, it was, it, what it seemed like to me was, we can't touch you in the interview process. And I'm using air quotes around the word touch because please, people are not supposed to touch you ever. But let's just say because they're not meeting you in person, they feel the need to have you interview with 12 different people on 12 different occasions. What this shows is a lack of organization in the company, right? Like they they don't have their act together and also a lack of respect for candidates' time. And frankly, for all of these people that you have to meet with, I often think about the interview process, you know, people, candidates tend to think about the interview process in in terms of the cost to get them to a site to interview and, you know, put them up and feed them some meals. I think about the interview cost also in terms of all those people who are presumably making pretty good money who are taking time out of their busy day to meet with you. And if they're scheduling, I had one client who had 12 interviews before they hired the internal candidate. Had a lot of questions about that. But if this process is super long and disrespectful, what often happens, and this has been statistically borne out, the good top candidates bow out for other opportunities. They they get other jobs. They're not, they're a commodity and they're valuable and they're not going to sit around for, you know, 12 interviews are not going to happen in two weeks. They're going to happen over a period of months. And in the meantime, there should be, and 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 you should be continuing to seek out other top opportunities, not putting all your eggs in that basket. And likely, if you're a top candidate, one of those other opportunities is going to come to fruition as you're waiting around for this slow-moving company. The other thing I want you to think about is with this very disorganized company that has 12 interviews or, or whatever the case may be, if you remain in the candidate pool and get hired, there's a chance you might be working with a bunch of underachievers who didn't have other job prospects. If that's their process, then think about what their, what their results might be. A note about hiring projects. So they're asking you to do something. Some companies are paying candidates to complete projects that are representative of the kind of thing you would do on the job, but most aren't still. And so it's up to you to decide if you're willing to do the work for no pay and no guarantee. This is particularly difficult when you are working full-time and you feel like I've got a second full-time job here getting this process and this project completed. But I want you to think about it and decide, okay, I'm either all in and I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to have a good attitude about it or I'm going to bow out because this is too onerous for me and I don't feel comfortable doing it. But you do not want to move forward, have them, you know, ask you to complete a very complex project and you're doing it while you're snarling the whole time. So that's an unusual interview process. Next, let's talk about high turnover. 
what can you find out about the turnover for the position that you're applying for, for the turnover in the department you would be working for, and for the company as a whole? You're looking for red flags here around management, maybe the culture, or employee satisfaction. It's just a crappy place to work. Glassdoor is one good resource because that is populated by current and former employees. LinkedIn Insights can also provide this if the job is posted there. So you may be able to see that as part of the kind of job description. You can also reach out to a a few former employees to find out why they left, which is easy to find people on LinkedIn. You know, you do an advanced search and look for former and former employees of that company. Again, you may not get the information that you're looking for, especially if it's a privately held company, but it's worth looking into and it's worth also asking some questions in the interview. Why did the previous person leave? How long were they in the job? What about the person before that? And start getting some some data on that. So that's high turnover. The next one is lack of growth opportunities. And I've talked previously about you know, asking this question. This is a really important one. And you want to make sure that you get a clear answer, that they are clear whether it's to say, hey, there really is no career ladder here. You're, this is kind of it. Or here's the expectation. Here's kind of the timeline for that, for that promotion and that growth. If the company doesn't offer career paths or clear career paths for not only growth, but also, you know, what's professional development look like? What's advancement look like? It probably isn't going to be a viable long-term option for your career goals. Now, it could be a bridge job, meaning there could be something very specific that you want to get out of that job and you are going into it, not expecting it to be a long-term. But just know that if there are no growth opportunities, what is this going to look like in three years from now? So that's lack of growth opportunities. Next is non-competitive compensation. Simply put, Outstanding employees do not accept below market compensation offers. There is no reason if you are outstanding and you know your value and you are able to articulate that value in the job search process, you should not take an under market compensation. Not only are you going to be underpaid and likely that goes with being undervalued, but you'll be working with a bunch of underpaid, undervalued people, presumably not a good recipe for positive work culture. And I also want you to think in terms of this, and this is something that a lot of people don't think about. If you take a job that's even 5% below market value and your raises every year are a percentage of your current salary, you are furthering the gap between, so that 5% differential then becomes 6%, 7%, and eventually 10% or more difference because you started out with a base lower, and so percentage increases are also going to be lower than they would have if you had, you know, negotiated or accepted a job elsewhere at or above market value. So non-competitive compensation is a big one. And then payment requests, and this is a real scam one. So you want to be cautious of any job opportunity that requires you to pay anything up front whether it's training, materials, any other expenses, these should be covered by legitimate employers and they will be. So this is most likely going to be a scam. You want to trust your instincts, conduct thorough research before committing to any job opportunity and listen to your gut. 
Now let's talk about DIY versus DFY. So DIY, if you're conducting a job search on your own, make sure your mindset is in the right place. I talked about this earlier. Make sure you're moving towards something and not just away from something. I want you to be excited about it and not just be running away from an untenable situation. There is work that you can do at your current employer to clean up your mindset that is completely available to you regardless of what is going on with your boss, with your coworkers, company. You can have the right attitude despite all of that and then carry that positivity and excitement into a job search. So don't tell yourself that, hey, I have to hate this job to go look elsewhere. Tell yourself, hey, I'm going to really work on making the most of this job, getting the most out of it, enjoying it as much as I can, and I'm still going to look elsewhere. Energy with those two is completely different. So if you have that positive energy, you're going to be confident. You're going to be selective about the jobs that you apply for, the people that you speak with, and how you present yourself. You're just going to show up differently. If you have that energy of running away from something, you're much more likely to ignore the red flags that I've just talked about. And you might jump at the first slightly reasonable opportunity that comes along and you'll find yourself out of the frying pan and into the fire. For help with your mindset, I've put a link in the show notes to a freebie on my website called Six Things Derailing Your Job Search. If you don't have access to the show notes, you can go to my website at exclusivecareercoaching.com and click on the free resources link. There's seven free resources up there right now. So done for you. If you find yourself ignoring red flag after red flag and you see a pattern for yourself, I highly recommend that you want to work with a career coach like me. There's likely something going on there underlying that is is kind of affecting your confidence. It's affecting your belief in yourself. Maybe there's something else that's holding you back from doing the necessary work so that you land a job that you love with the company that you really believe in. So if you'd like to schedule a complimentary consult with me to discuss working with me, I put that link in the show notes as well. I hope this has been helpful. So take care and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach. So be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.